0: For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Keegan. Dan mentioned at the beginning we had a VBS this last week. and. I got to wear this because I was cast with being Captain VBS and so I wore this all this last week. And I've got to tell you there was a this is my cape. I'm going to hang it up here for now and uh, retire for the time being. There we go. That's that's what this is for, isn't it? A cape holder. There we go. We're set. But it was it was amazing. The number of kids and the number of guests from the community that were here. It was it was amazing how much energy was here. And uh one of the things that, was, that was, I didn't expect, serving as Captain VBS, I had a Superman shirt that I did wash throughout the week, in case you were wondering. But had a Superman shirt and then had this cape. And I would come in and, and uh, Super Michael, that's running the AV there in the back, Super Michael, and wave at everybody. He was the song leader. And my job was to, to do some memory verses with the kids and get them excited, which you get 70-plus kids getting them all excited does not take much. Be're really excited. But something I noticed about the smallest children is that when I wore this cape, and I would fly in and out of classrooms and stuff wherever the kids were, just for fun, and you know fly in the cape behind me. And I noticed that whenever the smallest kids would walk by, it was like they would just watch me the whole way. And I had on a few different occasions little ones tell me, "You're my hero, Mr. V- Captain VBS," or say, "Can you really fly?" Or there's these kind of discussions that were happening. I'm thinking, "Wow, there is these little ones are looking for superheroes," and and hopefully we gave them that not because of the cape. You can pray for for my head to go down, you know, to me to come back to to reality and that, but. But hopefully, what they gained this time was some spiritual superheroes that they can really hold on to that'll help get them through life and, and help them make godly decisions uh, in the future. And that's, that was it was a powerful time. I know that uh, Connie Kirkland's not here this morning, but but she was the one that coordinated all of us, and um, we. Uh, we worked together well it was amazing how how it all came together this year so that was that was neat and I know that uh, even if if you couldn't help and participate your prayers were felt and the impact that it had who knows uh, where it goes from here but we can continue to pray that that God continues to use those seeds that were planted for for really good things to happen so that was a, a great time this last week um, also I've got a, a great announcement to make um, Carl Spiegel uh, has allowed his name to stand to serve as one of the elders, and the church in the last weeks very very clearly confirmed him to serve in the in the the, the time coming up. And so Carolyn car or excuse me car- car- Carl and Karen are not here this morning because they're. Uh, up at Karen's folks' house, helping them prepare uh, splitting wood for them to be able to, to survive the winter, uh, doing good stuff. And they're worshiping in Butte this morning, but Carl said, Carl and Karen said that we could announce that this morning. Next week, we will uh, confirm him with the church here. But how the process went, and just give a, a very quick synopsis of how it went. We approached the church and asked, who are people that you see demonstrating spiritual leadership that you would like to serve as shepherds? And there were some names that came to the surface, some... Said, "I, said, this is a huge honor. I can't serve at this point in time. And Carl and Karen uh, said, after much prayer, said, and, and Carl, I, I didn't want to say too much of this beforehand because I didn't want to try to influence where the congregation was going to confirm Carl. But Carl demonstrated an attitude to this process that has been really powerful for me. And, and if you read Moses and the Burning Bush and listen to the things that Carl said, there's a whole lot of similarities. And that Carl said, you know, I don't see spiritual leadership in myself, but the church does. And if the church does, then I know that if this is a call of God, then I will submit and I will walk forward with this. And I just want you to understand that if, if I don't do a good job, I'll quit. I promise, okay? This is not about power. It's not about title. It's about doing what God has called me to do. And I'm honored to do that. I'm Afraid a bit, this is really, really, really outside of my comfort zone, okay, so, so bear with me. But I'm in. And what a great example for all of us. Uh, there's, there's a lot of times where God asks us to walk outside of our comfort zone, and the easy thing is, ah, no, no, I'm not going there. And Carl said, I will, and I'll gladly serve. If the church has called me to do that, then I will gladly serve to do that. So we'll uh, affirm him next week, and that will be an exciting time for the church here together. There is. Uh, go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 3. As I've been walking through uh, just sometimes spiritual disciplines, but things that help lead us to be the people that God wants us to be, and we're going to take a step back and look at a really big picture. Because what I've been assuming is I'm um, speaking to people who are who are Christians already, and that's most of us here have made that decision already to follow Christ. And and sometimes what happens, and I've noticed this, sometimes the ministers will talk a whole lot about how to become a Christian to people who already are. Okay, and so that doesn't you know, we'll, we'll, I'm going to take a step back and we're going to talk about some of that today. But most of what we've been talking about is assuming we've already made this decision to follow Christ, how can I, through prayer and fasting and, and, and meditation, be the person that God really wants me to be? How can I go past just, okay, I'm a Christian, I know what I'm not supposed to do, but how am I supposed to be the person that really wants that God wants me to be from the inside out? And we've been walking through that. And today we're going to be in Titus chapter 3. And uh, this if you were here this last Wednesday night, you got to participate and see something that was really, really amazing. Uh, Chris Martinez. Chris, raise your hand. Chris is sitting here. Chris uh, was baptized into Christ, and it was an amazing, powerful time together uh, because Chris has been on this journey for a while. And he has been uh, been reading through Scripture and, and said, boy... God, it is time for me to change my relationship with God. And it's time for transition and transformation for me to happen. And I'm ready to join the kingdom of God. And I'm really, really excited to be on board with this. And, and I'm not doing justice in, in the power and the emotion that was there last Wednesday night. But we read this scripture together, starting in, in Titus chapter 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Okay, that sounds just wonderful, doesn't it? That's a wonderful situation there. Uh, we can be, we've been in places, I think all of us, where we've been deceived into thinking that, that Satan's way is the best and there's all sorts of destruction and, and heartache and hurt that comes out of that. And that's really the key in, in life, trying to figure out, Uh, What what is the good life? What am I supposed to do? What what is the definition of what the good life is about? So I got on the Internet because the Internet's got all the answers, right? I got on the Internet last night and looked around. What does it mean to have a good life? And I found all sorts of lists. Here's 10 things. Here's 33 things. Here's all these different things in order to have a good life. And there's some of them were were great. Uh, Keep yourself healthy. That's helpful in having a good life. Uh, one of the keys in one of these lists was making sure that you're helping others. That's great. That sounds something like what Jesus said, doesn't it? Now well, listen to some of these others. Here's some other advice that is out there on the Internet on the keys to having a good life. Live for yourself. Okay, now there's a side of that that it's important to to, be, to understand our own rhythms, but if we just live for ourselves, what is the end result of that? Being Selfish is being selfish, just caring about what's going on in, in, in me. Here's another one. Be happy and stay happy. Okay, that's great, but how on earth do you accomplish that, really? I mean, really, what happens when something that is, that is really unfortunate and, and sad happens in your life? It, that type of, it sets us up for failure. There's, there's deeper perspectives that God has. Here's another one. Stay in the moment. There is nothing else. The rest is just fiction. So in other words, do whatever I want right now because everything else is just fiction. Can you imagine what the end of life looks like if I do whatever I want at any given moment instead of doing what the right thing is? It ends you know, pretty bad. You know, a lot of these are based on the presupposition of materialism that whatever is in front of me is, is all that matters. And that's why we end up with deciding that money or status or, or whatever is, the, is the, the key to a good life. And what Paul's going to do is walk us through what a good life is all about here in just a second. But do you see what he does there in chapter, Titus chapter 3, verses 3? It says, At one time we two were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That doesn't sound very good to me. And so we can look out in the world, we can see a whole lot of people that live this way. There's this dissension, there's divisiveness, there's, there's hating one another. Turn on the news, we don't have to look very far to see that. But I think maybe closer to home is that when we're separated from God, we just don't realize the trouble that we're in. We don't realize oftentimes uh, what we're missing out on. I'm going to give us something that happened yesterday. My family and I went up to Mill Creek, past Yellowstone Bible Camp, and we camped out there on a Friday evening. And something ha- we walked up to Passage Creek Falls yesterday. How many of you have been to Passage Creek Falls? Yeah, pretty pretty neat hike if you've never done that one. It's pretty neat. And the water there in Passage Creek is still pretty high. There's log jams everywhere. We saw rock chucks. We saw deer, uh, all sorts of stuff around this stream. Beautiful, beautiful place. As we were walking down, something happened that was really scary. Um, our dog, our yellow Labrador, Stella... As we're walking down, the kids get on ahead of us, and Sylvia and I are walking down. A little, uh, We're probably 200 yards behind them. And all of a sudden, we hear our daughter yelling, Come quick, Stella is stuck, and she cannot get out of the water. And so I'm running as much as I can run without stretching out first and, and doing all that. <laughs> and I'm, and you, you can laugh, the story ends okay, all right? So we're, I, I run down there, and what terrifies me is the dog is in the water, and the kids are trying to get out to rescue her that's what scares me, and so I get down there and my i my kids have not gotten the water, which okay that's great there's there's no that that's that would be worse that's really really scary there so I get there. both kids are on the shore, trying to get out and help, but realizing that they shouldn't and wait for mom and dad to come so I throw off my pack the the bear spray goes flying on the ground, fortunately that didn't go off and, and blow up, and there's this log that is partially submerged, and our dog, with the, the, the swift current, is trying to swim out from under this log, and her head is just barely above, and she is swimming as hard as she can to try to stay, and it's amazing that, that she's, she's not gone under this log. Now looking at it afterwards, if she had gone under the log, she would have popped out the other side, and she'd probably been fine, but she didn't know that, so she's terrified at what's happening there and And so I get out over the the log, and the family 's trying to to call the kids and or trying to to call the dog and I get out there, and finally she gets enough strength to be able to kick herself out of that that the swift part there comes right in front of the log. I grab her collar and pull her up, and the water is raging all around us, and I pull the dog up and she 's a... Not very happy at that point in time. Her tail's always going, but it's kind of between her legs at that point in time. Get her onto the shore. And that dog stays right beside me for the rest of the day and never leaves my side. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a moment that was pretty scary there. And really, that's what Paul describes there is. There's a time where we two were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Those those times in life where we feel like we just cannot get away. And we, maybe we don't realize the danger that we're in, but because we don't have the Spirit of God that is leading us, we are getting, getting sucked into to this dangerous situation that has a potential to destroy us. But look at verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. okay, So something changes here. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. God is our Savior or our Rescuer. He's the one that's willing to reach down and pull us out of that log jam that we're trying to swim out of. He's a rescuer. He pulls us up because of his kindness and love for us. That's very important that we understand the character of God there. He saved us because he's kind and he loves us very deeply. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Okay, he saved us. And you notice here, it's very important that we note this, not because of righteous things we've done. In other words, this didn't happen. God looked down from heaven and said, Wow, look at how wonderful those people are. Look at how good they've done. They deserve to have me come down there and, um, and give my life as a ransom for them so that they can come to be with me. That is not what happened at all. God looks down and says, Boy, these people are in a huge mess, and they need a rescuer, and I'm the only one that can do this. And so I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to rescue them says he saved us not because of righteous things we've done. I we can't earn this this grace of God. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Notice the terms that are used there, the washing of rebirth. When you go back and you look at how this is what the early Christians thought of this scripture and what they understood... They understood very, very clear that the washing of rebirth was water baptism. We go down into that water; our sins are forgiven. We come out different. That washing, rebirth, change all of that. That's what Paul says. Excuse me. That's what Peter says in Acts chapter two, when when all the people there at Pentecost are saying, "What do we do?" He says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you." Your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What he's sharing there is that there's this washing of rebirth of baptism and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The same terms are used there in both of those, those scriptures. And so what happens, and we, we talked about this when Chris was baptized the other night, is that the washing of rebirth, go down into that water, come out of that water, cleansed and changed, because that's an that's act of faith. That's what God has called us to do. And renewal by the Holy Spirit. And that renewal, we see, is a continual renewal, that Holy Spirit, when we give our lives to Christ. Then the Holy Spirit comes in us and it continues to renew us, to make us the, the people that, that we really can be. Um, not to make us... Uh, um, this make us the people that God's designed us to be. We're getting in step with our Creator. And that's why we can leave behind addictions. That's why we can leave behind sinful behavior. That's why we can find joy when it doesn't seem that there's anything really to be happy about around us because we realize that we've been given the Holy Spirit and there's a renewal that happens in us that can't be given any other way. And renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by His grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Okay, justified by grace. What that means is by God's grace, and grace means unmerited favor. In other words, God does something for us that we don't deserve. He makes it so it's just as if we've never sinned. All of it's gone. It's gone, it's wiped clean, it's done. And so all those things that, that are you, you got in your past that you think, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh, man, I don't know how I, I can undo this. This is, this is bad stuff. God said, take care of that. You're one of my people. You're one of my heirs that's uh, that's going to to inherit my kingdom. I've given you all of this, all that stuff is gone, it's been washed, you've been renewed, it's done. And that renewal continues to happen. Now John chapter first John chapter one talks about as we continue to walk in the light, God continues to renew us. And you look at that and you think, wow. You know, that's pretty good news. Maybe that's why the term gospel is used for the message of Jesus, because that's what that means, the good news. Uh, look, continue on in verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying. Okay? So what Paul is telling him here is this is important to remember. What I've just shared with you is really, really important to remember, is that by uh, this, this washing of the sin and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, there is... Uh, that is the key to what good life is about. And so when you look on the Internet, it's got all these, these definitions of what it means to, or these tips to living a good life. Paul tells the people here, this is what the good life is about. His good life is eternal life. You know, it doesn't. It's not just temporary. It's not just something that makes you happy for a while. It's not just this, this something that you, you, you do that's a, a tip that helps make life more fulfilling. It's much greater than that. It is an eternal life that starts now, and goes for all eternity of God blessing you and bringing you into His kingdom, man. That's that's the best news that's out there. And so, what does it mean to live this good life? Look at verse eight. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These are excellent and profitable for these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. When you look through this passage here. As Paul says, I want you to do good. If you remember these things, then you will do good. You notice the terms that are used there all throughout this this passage here? The ones that we've already read here. You notice there's terms that are used. The kindness of God, the love of God, mercy of God, the grace of God towards us, by God's generosity. You see those terms over and over again? Man, man. That's what doing good is all about. You practice out those qualities in our life. Look at verse chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 of Titus, right before the section we read. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. Man, you see the, what... Paul says here when we break it apart says when you you come to God and you're washed you're renewed by the Holy Spirit what God wants you to do all of these terms that he uses over and over again to describe how God has treated us it's as if he's saying I want you to go out and do the same to other people and that's what God has called us to do let's look at those terms again I would have them up here we're back to the catacombs today kindness love mercy grace generosity good Peaceable, considerate, gentle towards everyone. Man, I think about that. Those terms are terms that should really call me higher to be the person that God wants me to be. And, you know, there's there's something about when we live that way, we put God first, we put others above ourselves, and we demonstrate those qualities in our life. We live a, a good life. We have a key to the good life that that others outside of Christ can only dream of. Now, I've been around, as I've talked about before, uh, when I worked at the ski hill and was a ski bum and had long hair for a little while, not too long, but a little bit long. I remember, for many of those people I worked with, the most exciting thing that ever happened in their life was how deep the snow was, and the most empty I've ever seen anybody in my life. And there's, our world is full of that, of, of people that are pursuing a good life by trying to, to find these definitions of what good is by stuff that's, that's gone tomorrow. But what we have the opportunity to, to do in Christ is say, man, I'm going to pursue something different. I'm going to submit my life to Christ. I'm going to receive his Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pursue kindness, love, mercy, grace, generosity, I'm going to pursue things that are good. I'm going to pursue obedience. I'm going to pursue pursue peace. I'm going to pursue being considerate towards others, towards gentle towards everyone. And that's a definition that Paul gives here of doing good. And I pursue those things every day. Man, God's going to give me a peace, an eternal life that is better than anything, any definition that I can find on the internet or any of my friends can give me. And I'm going to have this life not only from now on, but for eternity. Big, man, I can't think of better news than that. Can you? If you do, talk to me afterwards because I want to hear about it. But that's the the blessings that God has given us, that we are are people that uh, we have this opportunity, that just like my dog, I'm glad that the story ended well, that we tend to find ourselves in log jams and rivers, not knowing how to get out. How do I get out of this, this situation life that I'm in? How do, I, how do I try to change my circumstances? How do I find joy? How do I have peace? How do I find all that stuff? How do I get rid of these burdens? How do I become the husband or wife that I really need to be? And God's telling us here, submit ourselves to Christ, allow God's Holy Spirit to wash us, pursue these good, the good life, what he's talking about, all these qualities. What happens is God changes us to become something that we never could be otherwise. And when we do that, it changes us and it changes the people around us. And that's that's something that um, that's worth living for. It's worth dedicating our life for. If you haven't made that decision, I want you to think about that. Um, if you feel like you're there, just trying to swim out from under the logjam, and you need a hand, God's offering His hand. God's offering a solution. God wants a wants to pull you out of that and bring you into a place of peace. And even if you've already dedicated your life to Christ and you're thinking, man, I just, it's not working, something's not working here, it's not clicking, and you want things to be different, the elders are waiting in the back to pray with you, and you're welcome to go back and pray with them and, and, um, and start your life anew. Let's stand and sing together.